We're back with authority. Jack and I are finally face to face. It's almost as good as it sounds. It's better. It's, it's as, <laughs> it is as good as it sounds, man. We've done this for like remotely, kind of. A lot. More, more than I wanted. I would like to say I'm surrounded by four of my favorite companions. <laughs> There's Holly. <laughs> there is my remarkable leader and co-host, Justin. There is a bottle of Old Forester, 1920 Prohibition style. Thank you so much to yeah. Katie Fife's brother. Robbie Dow. Because it's excellent. It was, it was his recommendation. And really just wonderful. Just wonderful. We'll put his name and the recommendation in the show notes. So those of you who are bourbon aficionados can pick it up. And we also have a beer. It is. It is. That is legit. I mean, I, I like all kinds of whiskey, but yep. that is. Great recommendation. Spot top on. notch. Cool. So speaking about spot on and recommendations, I had a thought. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know about your experience of it, but I get a lot of questions, especially from younger folk saying, listen, I'm thinking about going to work for XYZ company, or I read an article about XYZ company. And what do you think about them? And to me, it's really interesting, right? You and I talk a lot about the way that organizations think about buying stuff. We think a lot about from the vendor's perspective, but there's all kinds of people who care. Like in Swipes, in Right Swipes, we talk about what do investors or acquirers think about these companies. And so I think it'd be kind of fun to talk a little bit today about how do we look at companies to decide, is it a good idea to do anything with them? Is it better to run screaming into the night? And how can folks who maybe aren't us figure it all out? <laughs> and third dynamic of should you buy oh hell yeah that product yeah you know so it's should you go work for mm -hmm. if you're a consumer should you buy and if you're an investor should you invest in right on and if you're an acquirer should you pollute your existing ecosystem with this entity oh man yeah right <laughs> right okay I'm down. All right, which which uh, which facet do we want to start on? Wait, can we? All right, I've got a better idea. How okay. Start this. You and I both had a recent interaction with a company that I don't know how to say it. I there's there there's actually no nice way to say it. Is they were substandard by my personal measure. Actually, that's probably the nice way that I say it. They were substandard by my measure, and like in all forms and facets. And I have a ton of questions about whether what is happening is actually ethical or not, right? And I speculate that this happens in different parts of the country and startups all over the place. Yeah, I think your suspicions are on the money. I would, tell, I would say that just the one like, color I'd like to add to it is the individuals we talked to, the, the leadership and the team that was working there, they honest to God believe in what they're doing. Hang on, wait, I have to clarify that. Some of those are my friends too. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so they believe they're good people. They're good human beings. Right. And with good families. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, this industry is so complicated, even folks who find themselves in the middle of it, and maybe this is why we get some of these calls, they don't understand where they fall. And they believe when they take a job, what somebody tells them who may be just as uninformed. Yeah. I think in the case that like, we're both referencing here is like there's a lot of investor hype. There's mm -hmm. a lot of marketing hype, but they fail to articulate and fully communicate the technical prowess of the company. But, it, but it's hard in the world of like marketing, you know, like mumbo jumbo. Like, how do you, how do you tell them apart? Well, right. I mean, think about Super all the hard. really smart CISOs we talk to, right? Who call us and they'll ask questions about what do you think of this vendor or that vendor? You know, in our own company, right? 
you've done a lot of work long before I get here to identify the best technical partners, like the best bourbon, but the best technical partners to work with, right? That's pretty good. And so you make, you make a bunch of those decisions, but that's a lot of work. And that's for you, who's been doing this for a long time, is really smart about it. And so how do we expect people, maybe they're salespeople, right? Or marketing people, or they're entry-level engineers coming off the street. They look at a company, maybe they've taken three or $400 million in funding. They've got a valuation that's got a, you know, two commas in it, and they're really excited, uh, three commas in it, you know, who knows? And so it's natural because all the things that they can see about that company are proxies for success. This looks yeah. like success. And I think it's, it's hard for them, and maybe why we get the question is because it's hard for them to ascertain, is it nonsense, emotional, marketing, market, stock market hype, or is it, is it something that's real and differentiable? And if I can make a recommendation, right? It, it, if I'm thinking about those folks, some of them are doing exactly the right thing. They're calling you, right? And maybe right. calling me, but they're, they're calling somebody they think understands the market to ask that question, who approaches the proposition the company's offering with an objective lens, right? I think that that's step one. So as we're talking to whether it's a consumer trying to buy it, whether it's an employee thinking about working there, whether it's an investor, call somebody who understands the marketplace a little bit more. Also made difficult in our market because so many people, you know, don't necessarily understand, aren't very self-aware of things they know and they don't know. Yeah. But at least you can get started with somebody who has a more informed, more educated perspective. Right. So <clears throat> maybe maybe we can start in the, the timeline of this here. Let's start from the investor side. Mm -hmm. So whether you are seed or you are more advanced, I know. It's like, it's like Did angel. you say something, Justin? It's like, it's like Angel saying, <laughs> I, I saw that just erased from your brain. Let me start over. I would just like to say for any negative things I've ever said about Forrester, I take them back because... <laughs> Old Forester is excellent. No, wait, this that's old Forester. You're talking about new Forester. <laughs> There's a difference. Those are different entities. Damn. So investors, either seed or some advanced series, right? So let's just start with seed. You seed a company with a ton of cash, like world hunger ending cash. And the team that you've brought in is painting a picture for you of like this grandiose thing that is nothing but a cardboard town. I would imagine at some point, if you're an investor, you know, you have a responsibility to the people that are investing in your fund or, you know, whatever the case may be. But if you're the operator of the company, having received these dollars, there's a fiscal and fiduciary responsibility that you also have for all the dollars and the investors that you've taken. Right. And, you, and like you're smiling. But to me, like, I, I don't know if you are willing to take that much money. And so in the case that like we're both talking about here is hundreds of millions of dollars. Yep. You really have to have your shit together in a very serious way. But the investors aren't experts. They're kind of chasing a trend. They're chasing a potential opportunity, but don't understand how to get from A to B. Mm -hmm. And they hire technical expertise <laughs> <laughs> um, to help them get there. Yep. But you, there's a point where saying, in the course of that responsibility in helping your investor go from A to B, you've made a promise and a commitment to them that you have the technical expertise to do some of these things, right? And to me, if you've falsely represented yourself and your capabilities and you're relying on techniques from 1994 to get where you want, where you think you need to go, to me, that feels very Madoff-esque. <laughs> It, honestly, that I think that speaks more to your own sense of personal integrity 
and the way you view your fiduciary responsibility, then it reflects the reality in the sort of the, the hyperheated market we're in right now. So it's funny. And the reason I was smiling and I apologize, but the reason I was smiling was when you say you have a responsibility too, right? You, the, you framed it. You said, you know, you've gone in, you've taken a seed round, you know, it's 10 or 20, $30 million in a seed round or maybe a little less. And you have a responsibility too. And I just wanted to blurt it out. Spend it. <laughs> that is what your responsibility is, right? Because of, of, as an example, a good venture capital firm has a limited number of partners, right? And they've got to put a bunch of money to work. And what they believe is, to your point about capability, that that organization they're investing in will know, not the best tech, not the best approach, they will know how to spend it to maximize the value of that investment. And they're going to do it over the period of time that they're expecting to do it. So the investors are investing an amount of money. The requesters of the investment, the company, is requesting money to do a thing. And as long as those two things map out, then that's okay. But ordinarily, when you're talking that volume of dollars, as great as engineers are and as expensive as they are, you don't need that much money for your engineering talent at the beginning. Amen. It is all about market share, visibility, brand awareness, and all of that. And all of that is sort of dark arts, right? Yeah. And so you can spend it, right? And that's your responsibility. Your, your, your responsibility is to put it to work. So the Series A follows close in the heels of the seed and the Series B follows close in the heels of the Series A to grow the company so that you take advantage of a market. Because as good as new ideas are, they're addressing problems that are oftentimes well understood. And the innovation is in the way you solve it, not the fact that the problem exists. So other investors are like, oh man, look at that. There's $10 million put over there. I better get my $10 in, my $10 million in someplace else. And that's where we get to this confluence, this, this super volatile market where everybody's valuations are overheated and you run into some of the, the challenges that we see, like companies who've lived and taken lots and lots of money and are wrestling with technologies that were best served by companies that went IPO in 2013 or 14. Yeah, I see a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> you know, like I, I, just, I just think about from a, an integrity standpoint, you know, I 100% appreciate there's dollars there, you have to put them to work. And I, I understand the fiscal economics of like all of that stuff. But there's also safety saying, let's not spend money on stupid or on needless things. Because like, here's the thing, if this whole thing explodes, yeah. you can always give the money back. And Tommy the Knees isn't gonna come looking <laughs> for you, right? Yeah. Because if, if you go out and saying like, hey, we've got $250 million, let's go spend it on, you know, all, this stuff, yeah, but, all but, the debauchery. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a podcast that is staffed <laughs> by a fellow who <laughs> built his own company from the ground up and made it wonderful and profitable and successful. The people you're talking about, and it's, I have been them, not at that scale, Truth. but I have been Truth. them, right? Truth. If you're not an optimist, you're never going to start a company. And if you don't believe that with an extra gallon of gas in your tank, you can get that extra mile that'll get you where you want to be, then you're probably in the wrong business. And so I think that a lot of times what ends up happening is you've got very reasonable, high integrity people who start these companies and they're trying to do good things. And what ends up happening is you reach this, this point of inflection. The company knows it needs money to, to do X and Y and Z to be successful. The investor knows they have to put a certain amount of money to work because they have a limited number of partners and certain um, return objectives, right? These two things come together and I don't need all that money, but man, I can't invest any less than this. So you're like, well, crap, 
it's more money. I better, I better make, and, and I'll give you a better valuation if you take some more money. All right, let's meet in the middle. I'll figure out how to spend that money. Okay, you will, and you'll be ready for the next round. I will be ready for that next round. And suddenly there is this accidental Faustian bargain, right? I'm selling the soul of what I would do more slowly, like you've done, more slowly, more healthily, in a way that I feel more comfortable that it's going to be successful long-term in order to get the finances I need to get to even the point I wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. And frankly, a lot of the companies that made those large investments in some really great companies who've had successful exits in security, they made those, what I would consider to be really aggressive investments in companies that didn't necessarily need that much money, but the returns for their LPs have been stratospheric. They've been wonderful. The market has supported the decisions they made that if you're trying to build a profitable enterprise, you never would have engaged in. So the question here is, I'm going to push it back at you, doctor. Uh, are like we it. dinosaurs? Has has the massive rock fallen in Asia and thrown up the dust? And you and I are looking around going, why the hell are all those mammals so happy? And we're like, wow, it's getting a little chilly over here, right? Why are they <laughs> right. growing all that fur? Stupid bastards. We're drinking that whole bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what, what? but why? And it may be because we don't recognize that it's a different kind of market, that everybody's buying lottery tickets, right? And they understand it. I don't understand it, right? It's, it, it's, I'm super happy to be someplace where every dollar has to make a difference. But I think there's been a lot of people who I know and have a lot of respect for who've been super successful just basically burning the, basically burning the wheelbarrows full of cash in the backyard because the party that they threw brought enough buyers. We, this person's opinion. Yeah. We have been part of a financial era that, in my opinion, is uh, is kind of unprecedented, right? And success hides a multitude of sins. You know, right. in the short term, yeah, there's there's a ton of people making a ton of cash, but at the end of the day, in at the end of the dollars, the market is uh, is a true scale, in the sense where it's less of a roulette wheel. It's more of a it's more of a scale that measures the quality of any any one company from time to time, and God forbid we end up in a recession, which by the way, like if you run out the, like the world events between wars in Europe, escalating oil prices, our fed is talking about raising the fed rate to slow inflation. You start to couple all of those things. If not managed correctly, we could, the pendulum could very much swing from hyper aggressive, you know, economic growth to the other way too. And at that point, you know, you see companies start to reduce the amount that they're willing to spend. And now all of a sudden you have these investors pouring money into all these startups that aren't selling. Mm-hmm. There could be a reckoning coming, right? And if, and if you haven't built a good quality company with good quality tech, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's a, there, there's a reconciliation to be had and there's going to be the haves and the haves nots. And for the have nots, especially in the case that like you and I are referencing, there's, you're not gonna be able to do anything with it. It's not going to go anywhere. So that comes back to my point of basically saying, I understand that people are saying, we're going to give you the dollars you need to put them to work. And I understand how that whole thing goes, but there's also a safety in saying, you know what? The market has changed. I saw it coming. I was fiscally responsible. I haven't spent the dollars and I'm going to give them back to you. Right. And now I can flip the story and say, you know, your LPs haven't received the amount of dollars that they're expecting to have received of 
20 or 30% return, but I haven't lost your dollars either, right? It's not, it's not a negative return. I've actually done the right fiduciary thing and looked out for you. And I would say just like a personal rep, so obviously the world revolves around me, but <laughs> just like from an integrity standpoint, like I would sleep really, really well at night. It's like, you know what? I'm sorry I pissed off a bunch of investors and I didn't do what you told me to do. And I didn't follow that path. But at the end of the day for, you know, the hundreds of LPs that are in your firm, you know, we self-selected the right decision and we ensured that you didn't have a loss on it, which I don't know. Maybe I've got it all twisted. I mean, I don't know shit. But well, well, actually, that's true. I don't know shit. But well, <laughs> You know much. The, I think let's take away from that, though, the lesson number two, right? So the first lesson, if you're consumer, employee, investor, think about where to go, call somebody who knows something. Second lesson that Justin just expostulated on is figure out what they're spending their money on, right? Even if you're straight out of college, you've just gotten your bachelor's in computer science or data analytics, and you're jumping into a job, ask them where they spend their money. See if they're spending it on tech or on tchotchkes or on drinks for the pals, right? Figure out where the money goes because the profile of their spending will tell you whether there's someone like this who's thinking about, I'm not going to spend the money unless I need it because worst comes to worst, I want to give it back. Or are they spending it? I'm going to spend the hell out of this so that when I need some more, I will have spent it already and they will know sort of where I'm going and the way I'm going to spend and make your own decision. And I think that's really important here. Because as we said at the, at the top of the show, a lot of companies have been very successful spending like there's no tomorrow. But as someone who sold his first company in 2000 at the height of the last boom that felt like this, I can tell you that there were a lot of companies who didn't have that good fortune who in 2000, 2001 had a lot of really hard, point, hard times to Justin's point. So yeah. step two, take a look at how they're spending their money. So if, if I take that as step one and step two, you know, maybe for me, there's step three, right? Which is... Is, are they building something which you, either as an investor with clients who understand how to use this stuff, and let's face it, everybody does good diligence, has people that they trust, or someone that you call, or if you're a student and you understand sort of what's going on, does the value proposition make sense to you as something that's differentiable, that's something that's new? The company that Justin's talking about that he and I had the, the benefit of talking to earlier, if you read their value proposition, you'd be like, wow, that sounds kind of new. But if you did a Google search, you'd find out like, holy crap, this is 10 years old. Not, not just them, but the approach was first taken by companies who've already exited the market who did it 10 years ago. Yeah. And who me, you have a patent. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but, but I mean, I think, I think it's really interesting. It's not about me. I mean, it's just basically do a Google, right? Take a Google and find out is the thing that's being positioned as innovation because you, you, the buyer, you, the student, you, the investor, you know enough to be able to figure out is it really innovative or not? Or is it just nonsense buzzwords that will find themselves in the trademark pit of despair? <laughs> <laughs> I do that just to break you up, dude. <laughs> He, he, sitting here at the table with Justin as we're talking, his hands are like, I'm about to make a great point. And I'm like, throw uh, out the, the non sequitur. It's like, shit. <laughs> ah, damn. Starting my brain over again. It's like <laughs> reboot. I'm, I'm actually in a reboot cycle right now. So you, so you made a comment. I don't think you can Google some of these things. It's full of marketing lingo. And so I was there. I witnessed the series. I, I witnessed the inquisition that you leveraged. <laughs> I, so, but some of the questions were super good, but 
my opinion, the normal consumer would not have been able to differentiate what's true or false or what's good or bad. You know, like we're talking about like things like dynamic field extraction, you know, in some of those conversations, like why, I mean, I understand why some of these things are important and I understand it's 2022 and, you know, some of these things we're talking about like 15 years ago, but to the average consumer, like they're not going to understand some of that. And then you have a Muppet like in the field meowing about how these things like 1994 techniques are like super important like the meow 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 <laughs> turn about his fair play no totally derail me <laughs> so but, I, but, but yeah, you know, right back at you <laughs> but no, but the thing i want but but i want to just talk about the fact that the googling for me the market will never understand the nonsense that you and i were talking about with them or the technical detail if the marketing claims look the same I use behavioral analytics in order to be able to understand when something is good or bad. That was said a long time ago. And frankly, the purchasing public isn't going to be any smarter than the people we're talking about, these good investors or the students or the new hires or the consumers. They'll know enough, right? And so if you look at and the marketing messages look the same to you as an educated person, trust the fact that the new company is not going to go knock it out of the park with a marketing message that sounds like something that was said by people as old as me. Because you can, you can Google for the marketing message as a proxy for their likelihood to differentiate themselves inside a complicated market. Let me, let me, let me pose another scenario. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love the extra scenario. So we talked with an individual mm-hmm. recently. This is last week? It was last week we talked to this individual. The individual was responsible, had purchasing authority for large government, Mm -hmm. that same individual who had the purchasing authority, do you think faced with competing offers, do you think that individual could tell a difference between solutions? Definitely not. And it's not their fault because it's not their job. That's when they make, that's when they phone a friend, right? That's when they phone a friend. I I, I guess for me, if I'm thinking about this, if I'm that person, so, you know, in, um, in another life, I become the CISO who has sacrificed their own potential lucrative financial career to operate an executive role in a state agency, yeah. right? Because they, they are honest to God, public servants, right? And they get that thing and they say, wow, that, that sounds like something I heard before. I think what I would probably do, and maybe what we can recommend to our listeners is you, you recommend you ask this question. Can you please tell me why that is any different than this in a nice way, any different than this thing I saw? and force them to walk it through. Because frankly, when you see the look of tortured amazement on their face, or that pained look, or the, let me get back to you, you have your answer. Yeah. Now, if they say it's different because, and they go through something that makes sense to you, because all of these people we deal with are very technically capable, maybe just not security experts, they will know the difference between BS and real answers. Yeah. So maybe just asking that question, show me how you're different. Maybe, that's, maybe that is our third right? That's our third recommendation. Ask the hard question that says, show me how you're different from this thing that existed so long ago. has it right, man. (laughs) Show me. Yeah, exactly. The show me state. state. (laughs) If you have, if you know what we're talking about, please go back to one of our earlier pwned episodes to learn about how breach of the week (laughs) wasn't really a breach. Was it a breach? It was not a breach. Not a breach in the show me state. Yeah. That was the uh, zero sum breach of the week episode. Right on. Back to your regular Ooh, C schedule programming. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. So we've been through investors. We've been through consumers. 
We have three good rules. Em- employers. Yep. So, you know, I think this is this is why this one bothers me so much. I mean, on top of all the other reasons, but I've got friends working at, like people. I think the world of that was a newsflash, by the way. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Actually, honestly, I, I don't really have a lot of friends. <laughs> they're they're people I think very highly of. Excellent. How's that? Better. Very true. <laughs> I'm sure they're both true. I was just being a goof. So they've gone to work for said company. Said company threw f ton of cash at them. I'm sure. I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm speculating that part. But knowing these individuals, it had to be pretty. Uh, had to be a pretty good incentive meaningful. for them. To, yeah. Yeah, and meaningful um, incentive for them to leave. But here's these individuals that are totally capable. But I'm not sure they totally understand where they're at. You know. But not only they understand where they're currently at, I'm not sure they had the appropriate tool set to identify where they're actually going. What do you think about that? I think it probably happens all the time, right? Especially if we talk about folks who are either in business development, corporate development, marketing, or sales, right? Because these are people who, by virtue of their own excellent skills, are most capable of defining how something is new and exciting. And so when something new and exciting is defined for them, they're apt to believe it. Right. It's just the way it is, right? They're apt to believe it because they're empathetic, right? They are great at what they do because they understand how they make something that's being done special to someone else. But unfortunately, it makes them susceptible to someone who understands how to message someone who wants to feel like something special. Yeah. So I think I, I think you're on the money, but I think that's where you call in your friend Justin Fimlade, and you have the cold or, voice of or reason, Jack. or Jack. Any, yeah, you come and you have the cold we're voice both, of reason. I, I think we're top. both pretty sobering. Yeah, yeah. we can be very, very objective. On a, on a Friday, Friday morning with an ice pack on our head. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be March 18th soon. Hey, I have another audience for you that just struck me as you were speaking. You have this effect on me. Because when you said, I have another <laughs> another perspective, and I was like, what other audiences really care? Because, you know, this is sort of like trying to guess before you say it. Oh, I like it. You know who I'd like to see take more time to understand this? I'd like to see the media understand it better. I would like for them to stop uh-huh. simply reporting on the number that was given as the valuation for a company or an acquisition or a round of funding as though that was the imprimatur of excellence, that that was somehow a proxy for real value, when we all know this is a hyperinflated marketplace. So I'd like to suggest that along with the new hires and the investors and the consumers and the acquirers, that maybe the media takes their role more seriously as an arbiter of truth. That instead of simply popularizing the fact that X or Y or Z company or technology is excellent because other people who are similarly uninformed are going to spend a lot of money on it, Mm -hmm. makes it great. I'd love to see them take the time to figure a strategy to figure out is it really a good deal or not. Yeah, or are you just overextended on your credit card? Fact. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> exactly right. Are you spending funny money? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, who was the one that, you and I were bantering back and forth with the other week. It was some company, like, in they had this big billboard in Times Square, like, I, I, I can't remember the exact word, but something like, we've, we've, yes. we've received a billion dollars in funding. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, that's a big bill. I had this discussion the other day that said, when you're raising capital at that level, you've made a mistake. If you need that much money, you're doing something wrong. And I, and I don't, I'm, I'm making a value judgment. Again, as Justin oftentimes does, this is just my opinion. 
If you find yourself in a position where you need a billion dollars to survive before you go public, you've made some wrong choices in your life. Holy shit, yes. <laughs> oh my God. Man, I don't, I don't even, this is a whole different, this is a whole different thing. Well, that being said. I'm going get, to get the couch out with the yellow legal pad. <laughs> and start taking notes. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's have a chat. Let's recap. Right. So if you're any of these organizations, any of these individuals looking to make your decisions, first off, phone a friend. And honestly, if you are not in an environment where lots of people know much, feel free to phone us. We take these calls all the time. We learn about new companies this way. It's really, really a, a great thing for us to do. It's, it's fun, it, frankly. It's a blast. We learn about new companies. We learn about new people. We make new friends. And plus, I validate my own values. And, <laughs> and, and what better values are there, Justin? <laughs> The, the second choice is uh, take a look at how they're spending their money, right? See if they're spending the money in a way that you would. If you were the founder, if you were the head of the company, are they investing the money that they're getting in a way that you think is meaningful, in a way that you think is going to make the company effective over the long course of time? And the third question is how are you different, right? When you see something, when you Google something oh, yeah. that sounds like the marketing message from somebody That's else, one, yeah. how are you different and the thing that seemed like it came before. And frankly, I think with those three questions, you can pretty much get home. If some number of combination of those answers can make you feel comfortable, you're going to be about 155 times more likely, I just did the math in my head, to have a successful engagement, to find a great company to deal with or buy or acquire or invest in than you will be if you don't and you just trust your gut. Trust me, these are the three questions to ask. And I think that, you know, listen to Justin describe his own values. If you can season <laughs> those better, questions with what it takes, with what it takes to create a profitable company that takes care of its workers, you'll find your way home to a good place. That's all I got. I like it. Wrap it. Holly, wrap it up. <laughs> all right. I'm going to wrap this one up. If you need honest security help, pwned at newharborsecurity.com. Phone a friend. And if you need a phone a friend, pwned at newharborsecurity.com. Right if you need help grooming hedgehogs or catching many dachshunds jack's good at that skip <laughs> you can reach us for that all right we're out <laughs> <laughs>